Hello there. I'm delighted to say that this is the third season of What About You? This series focuses on people who have been wrongly convicted. If you think you have a story that fits with this theme, please contact me on richard at whataboutyou.co.uk. Hello, I'm Richard Moore, and you're welcome to What About You? This is the sixth and final episode of the story of Sonny Jacob. In 1976, Sonny and her partner Jesse were arrested, convicted, and sentenced to death for the murder of two police officers, a crime that they didn't commit. Sonny always protested her innocence, and thanks to her efforts and the support of others, new and compelling evidence was uncovered, which proved her and Jesse were wrongly convicted. After spending 17 years on death row, Sonny was released an innocent woman. Sadly, justice didn't arrive in time for Jesse, who after spending 15 years on death row, was executed by electric chair. In this episode, Sonny talks about the work she is doing now through the Sonny Centre Foundation, set up by herself and Peter. When, when the word got out that Steve Earle was going to be part of our presentation, they wanted him in Belfast, they wanted him in Dublin. A friend suggested we call it the Sonny Centre Foundation, and so we did. Peter's contribution was very important because mostly we deal with men in America. There are like over 3,000 exonerees, and there are less than 300 women. Sonny, towards the end of the last episode, you talked about when you were in Ireland on a speaking tour, you met Peter Pringle. And over the few days that you spent in each other's company, you began to realise that you and Peter had a lot in common. He was sentenced to death in Ireland and spent a long time in prison. You were sentenced to death in America and obviously spent a long time in prison. Both of these eventually were found innocent and released. But I suppose the relationship began to develop from there, didn't it? So he came back the next morning to say goodbye. And he said, I don't want you to think I don't find you attractive, but I'm, I'm in a, a light relationship right now. And I, I try to lead an honorable life. That was what did it for me. That's what made him attractive to me, was his integrity. Because I had no time left for bullshit. I just didn't. I'd, I'd lost so much time in my life. Yeah. I was now 40, 50 years old. I was, no, was it three years old? Anyway, I was, yeah. Almost 50. I, I, yeah. yeah, I was about 50 years old. I, I lost so much. I didn't have time for any of that. You know, if it wasn't real, you next you know I, I just didn't need that um i hadn't the time or the energy for it and or the interest so um anyway he went home he drove home and then he called me when he got home to let me know he got home i thought hmm, maybe he got that little feeling too <laughs> <laughs> and didn't want the connection to just to go, break yeah. so um we stayed in touch um by, by computer, you know, we used to have to wear the headset and, and the computer thing to talk, you know, and then um, uh, we were able to talk on the phone, 
And um, during the interim, he uh, went through his own kind of personal crisis uh, of uh, healing crisis. And um, he, his relationship broke up. And he, we, we talked every day during that crisis uh, because he said I was the only one he knew that could really understand how, what he was going through and why and how it felt. And so I kind of just just was his support friend during that time. And, um, but we came very close that way. So it was more of an inner connection that developed before any other, you know, before it became a, a physical kind of a relationship. And um, so then he felt that more people should have heard me talk, and he arranged for me to come back. And he rented the town hall theater, and he got together uh, a yoga workshop for me because I just barely make would make it uh, financially. You know, yeah. I just it was every every coin counted, and um, so I couldn't leave home for a week or two and not work, and then come back and pay my bills. Yeah. So. So you earned a few pounds while you were here. That's right, doing yeah. the yoga workshops. And that enabled me to meet the yoga community here in Galway. And then um, I did my talk. And so when, when Steve um, heard that we were going to do this, he said, well, I'll come over and be front for you for your talk. He's going to join us. That's and amazing. Steve yeah, Earl. Yeah. And so, so this is great. When when the word got out that Steve Earle was going to be part of our presentation, they wanted him in Dublin. They wanted him in <laughs> in um, uh, uh, all over the place. Up north, not yeah. Derry, but um, Belfast. Belfast. Yeah. They wanted him in Belfast. They wanted him in Dublin, and so it ended up to be a huge, like a tour. Yeah. And then Peter had a couple of his musician friends also. Uh, to play at it. And it, it just became this big thing. So it was terrific. And going up to Belfast then in those days, um, it was before they took down all the barbed wire. So it was... Um, Too many familiarities. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a bit yeah. Um, yeah. nervous yeah. for me. Like It was just like going into a prison again. There was a guard with a gun, a mm. rifle, and the barbed wire, and this feeling of Mm, you know, anxiousness uh, from everybody, and oh, it was weird for me. And um, anyway, uh, the, it was a great experience everywhere. The, the 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 people in Belfast actually were the most yeah. uh, accepting and, and appreciative of what we had to say. And at first, Peter didn't speak; he just introduced me. And then his friend um, um, John Hoban actually is a a lovely. Uh, singer and, and, and player and his wife uh, Isabella and um, John said to him you can't just do this without you speaking too you can't just introduce her and not you speak and do you think was that the start of the the, the organization in the sense that you started this? he started speaking too Yeah. and then we started speaking together and then Peter had always he was like me He's the same. He used to take in people. He was, he was a he was rescuer. And he used to, people knew they could 
come to Peter if they were in trouble and he'd help them out and get them straight in the right road again. And so um, we were both like that. He loved children just like me. He loved animals just like me. So it, it just was perfect. I, one time on one of my visits over to see him, I, I had to use the, the toilet and I came out. No, Peter. There's Peter. And there's a whole bunch of kids down the road, down the block, and there's Peter right in the middle of them. Uh, it made me just love him even more. And so um, that's how that began, and that's how the work began. And so um, eventually, uh, we met a young lawyer, a young solicitor here. She um, had gone to the states to help with a wrongful conviction case, and um, pretty much everybody else had lost interest, but she didn't. And even though she came back here to Ireland, her name is Neve, um, she kept working on this case and she broke the case. She found the evidence they needed and this man was released. And so she had gotten him a bunch of support here in Ireland and um, so she brought him over to meet his supporters and um, she knew about us so she invited us and we met him. And then a couple of years later, she got in touch and said he wasn't doing well. He really wasn't doing well. And could he come to stay with us for a while? Maybe it would help him. Maybe we could help him to find healing like we did. And so, sure. So he came to live with us for a month. And sure enough, he did, he did better. He went back and he was doing really well. And so um, then... Um, we ended up going to New York. I know it was. We went to New York because we wanted to get married because um, because of Peter's reputation here. You know, again, people. You know, there there weren't a whole lot of exonerations here in Ireland. You know, they knew about the Guilford Four and the the other six and whatever, but you know, here it didn't happen very much. It would be nobody knew. And so there were some people that were very happy for Peter and others that weren't so happy for Peter. And uh, so sometimes, depending on who was on duty at the airport, I would get a hard time. And they wouldn't let me in. They threatened to send me back. And he was sure it was because of him. And sure enough, we got a solicitor to do the Freedom of Information Act and found out that was exactly why. And so we decided to get married. That would solve that problem. And so to get married, we had to go to New York because I couldn't get my original divorce papers from from Eric's father. And um, we didn't have the money to go. And New York was the place I researched it. New York, you get the license today, you get married tomorrow. tomorrow right. It doesn't Sounds matter. like Las Vegas. Yeah, you don't need the <laughs> blood test or anything yeah. else. Fine. So... Um, I put it out to the universe that I really needed to be able to get to New York so we could get married. And a couple of weeks later, we got a call from a man who's uh, running a theater in New York where the play The Exonerated had been. And um, he needed to do a fundraiser for his play. So he asked if we'd be willing to come over to be part of this fundraiser. And he said, wow. That's, a, that's amazing because we've been wanting to get to New York to get married. Oh, we'll host your wedding, he said. 
it'll be part of the fundraiser. So we had like 250 people at our wedding, of whom we knew none of them, right? <laughs> and your wedding was a fundraiser? Yeah. That sounds like something I It's like these dinners, like these murder mystery dinners. <laughs> So this was the wedding dinner, the the mystery wedding dinner, and we had all these people there. They didn't know us. We didn't know them. I still have friends that are angry that I didn't invite them to my wedding. I'm like, really? It was just a like a a a, a stunt, but yeah. it was a real wedding. Anyway, oh my God, it was so funny. So um, anyway, we got ourselves to New York, and we had our wedding. And uh, then, so while we were preparing for the wedding. Um, they, they, we stayed with this very nice couple and, um, she, the, 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 the woman said, well, she heard about what we were doing and uh, anti-death penalty and helping people and helping this guy who had wrongly convicted and we were wrongly convicted. Do you have a foundation? She said. And Peter said, what's a foundation? Because here it's called a charity. Yeah, that's right. And so she explained and she said, you need a foundation. Okay, so we, that's how the foundation started. And uh, a friend, actually it was Rory, suggested we call it the Sunny Center Foundation. And so we did. And uh, that's how it started. And then um, it grew and we were able to bring people over and this became the healing center here because it's a very healing place. And we were able to share our own healing with others and give them at least send them home with the hope that they might be able to find healing and love and happiness the way we had. And we'd share the tools that we used and we'd share our stories with them of how uh, we came up against the same difficulties as they did and what we did to overcome it. And um, then uh, we were able to, then we realized that one of the biggest problems when we'd send people home from here was they needed follow-up. So we, we um, got a, an outreach coordinator to help them when they went back to the States, mostly the States. We work in 13 different countries, but it's mostly the States. And um, then um, we realized that uh, the biggest problem that they were having was housing. Once you've been imprisoned, even if you were innocent or not, have a record they don't want to rent to you can't get housing jobs also so um, we decided we would um, try to provide transitional housing so that when they came out they could have a place to go where they'd be safe where they'd have um, uh, support and and just a chance to decompress mm -hmm. and a, a bit of guidance you know on the way and then once they we, once we help them to learn to live within their means and get them signed up for all the help they can get and they can get comfortable being out in the world again like you know me like feeling safe and you know find their way around and um, learn how to interact with people have relationships um, then we move them on and they're able to manage their life because we've either set them up that way or taught them how to do it. Sonny, very sadly, Peter passed away. That must have had a, an enormous effect on you and also the work that both of you were involved in. Uh, Peter passed away yeah. the, the last day of December 
uh, last year. And um, that's required another transition, not only a personal transition, but a transition of the way we do the work. Because Peter's contribution was very important because mostly we deal with men in America. There are like over 3,000 exonerees and there are less than 300 women. So um, most of them are men. And men aren't going to be so inclined to tell me their man problems, you know, whereas Peter could talk to them about that. They felt comfortable relating to each other about that. So it's a big whereas loss, isn't it? It's a big loss. Yeah. And, but what has happened recently is I started working with exoneree couples because now that they're getting better at, at getting exonerated people released, they're younger and they can get into relationships and are. So I've had two couples over here since. And I realized that these are couples where the, the, the male was here before and got the privilege of working with Peter. Mm. So they are the ones that are going to carry those stories on. They are the ones who will do that part for me. So I can bring them over. I can work with them on all the rest. And then I can refer them to the guys who did get to work with Peter. And he can help them. They can then help the, whoever it is with that part of it. Well, if somebody wanted to support your foundation, how would they do that? Well, um, mainly it's funding. I mean, that's, you know, that's it. Yeah, but funding. if somebody wanted to even donate or anything? Well, we have, there's a website, Sunny Center, E-R, the American way, Sunny, S-U-N-N-Y, C-E-N-T-E-R, sunnycenter.org and on that website they can learn so much more about what we do and how we do it and there's a place to donate on there and also we do social media and there's always a chance to donate on the, the Sunny Center Foundation uh, social media and um, also we depend on people's air miles to pledge air miles so that we can bring the people over and back and um, uh, if they're over in the states then sometimes we need professional people like a carpenter, uh, a plumber, um, a doctor, dentist, a uh, social worker, you know, people with yeah. skills that could help someone in a situation like that. You know, sometimes people need uh, uh, a solicitor or a lawyer uh, to be able to help them because maybe they um, need to fight for um, visitation with their children if they had children from before and maybe they're not allowed to see them or a divorce or, you know, things come up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sonny, you've given me so much of your time. It was an amazing story. That doesn't, that doesn't actually do it justice, but um, I think we've arrived at a good place to finish, really. Okay. It's a story that's tragic and sad and positive and all full of energy as well mm. and uh, so I just want to say thank you for giving me this last couple of hours and I hope the podcast that we end up with does you justice so thank you so much and thanks to Joe Murray from mm. AFRI who introduced me to you as well. Thank you both. You're a lovely person. I would like to thank Ursamer and Enyamer for all your help in making and producing these podcasts. Once again, I would like to thank Joe Murray from Afri and Dublin for introducing me to Sonny. 
Thanks, Joe. Thanks to Sonny for being so generous with your time and sharing such a sad but inspiring story. Finally, I would like to thank all of you for listening.